this is Pastor Matt Harmless. This is sermon number 45 from the Gospel according to Luke. This sermon was originally preached on December the 26th, 2021. All right, before we uh, begin, I want to say a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right in here. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. I thank you that we are here today. Lord, I want to say that again, I'm grateful that we are all here today. Lord, I ask now that you would be with us and be present in this room. Guide us, Lord, as we look at your word. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, so I'm going to, before I jump in, I want to make sure everything's working right. I know we got the candles on, but I, I don't think I can preach in the dark like this. Can we pop the lights on? There we go. I don't need mood lighting to preach. Um... All right, so you ever do something, you go, this sounds like a great idea. And then later on, you're like, I don't know if that was such a good idea. Just did it? Oh, no, that was a wonderful idea. Um, I'm looking around, I'm going, man, we got the, we got the candles, we got the ambiance, we got you know, Christmassy stuff is still going on. And I decided instead of doing a Christmas sermon, I decided to jump back into the gospel according to Luke. Now, if you know me, you know that that's an important part of what I believe. I believe, hey, we're, we're working through the Bible, preach the word. I don't trust myself to go into topical areas for the most part. We did some with Advent. It was okay. It was good. I think it was beneficial. But I like to preach through the word. So it just so happens that as we jump back into Luke, at the time I thought, no, this would be perfect. And now with all the, the wonderful, I mean, the, the tree is still up, the lights are still on, I'm going chucks i'm preaching about demons this morning (laughs) now some of you are probably thinking that's perfect because i just came through 2020 and 2021 and it feels like they were active and present so bring it on right so bring it on there we go well let's do that we're going to do exactly that i'm going to jump into luke chapter 8 we're going to jump into luke chapter 8 verse 26 is where we're going to start Put that first verse up there. Um, It says, then they sailed to a little pop quiz here. Got a couple questions about this first verse. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. Who's they? I know it's been a while since we were in Luke. Who's they? The disciples and Jesus. Good. Some of you are like, I didn't even read that part, but I, I guessed that. Great job. Some of you, that's what you did when you were children in Sunday school, right? If the teacher asked the question... You're like, you didn't know what to say. You went, Jesus. <laughs> That's right, this time. Now, the Gerasenes, there's some question about where this place is at. Here's a map. Because the city of Gerasa is all the way down here. Gadara, one of the Gospels calls it this, the, the land of the Gadarenes. But notice both of these are pretty far away from the Sea of Galilee. And we're going to see they sailed over and they get off and they're right in this place. But I think it's kind of like if I were to say to some of you, I might go... You know, if you weren't familiar with the state, I might say I went up to Chicago, but reality was I may have just gone to Schaumburg, right? I think it's a similar concept of what's going on here. They say they went to the land of the Gerasenes. The city of Gerasenes was actually a little bit further away, but people thought that's the land of the Gerasenes over there. And I think that's what's going on. Jesus then steps out on land. It's going to be interesting, guys. Ready for this? You ready for, ready for some demon preaching this morning? You didn't know you were going to get this, did you? You're going to hear about baby Jesus again. 
When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes. He had not lived in a house but among the tombs. Now I want to tell you, before we go a, a step further, I'm going to take a step backwards. I'm going to tell you, as I went through here, there's, a couple, I mean, there's all these little lessons we could learn, but there's two big ones that I think we can walk away with today. Okay? One of them is going to be this, and I'm going to use this word specifically for something I'm going to mention later. I think, no, I believe, I believe there are cosmic realities at play in our world that many of us don't take into account. Okay? This story is going to give us a glimpse, a hint at that. I think there's some cosmic realities that some of us just don't even factor into the scenario. This story is going to help us just get a, get a glimpse behind the curtain. It's, there's, there's other stuff going on. Because I'm going to tell you, we're going to get done with this story. I'm going to potentially create more questions than I answer. Okay? Second, this guy. There's, let me ask you this. Anybody in here have issues? <laughs> Anybody got issues? Oh, oh, wow. Family issues too, I see. Merry Christmas. I think probably all of us, if we didn't raise our hand, other people were raising them for us. Right? We all got issues. Issues are a weird thing. When we're dealing with issues, most of us, when we're dealing with issues in our lives, well, the most of the time, what we want is just to get rid of the issues, just to solve the problem. I don't necessarily think that's always exactly what needs to happen, and I'll get to that in just a minute. Some of us have issues, and part of those issues delve into other areas. Sometimes they're, they're all up here in your head. They're usually caused by circumstances around you, and that's the ones we really like to fix, right? If it's just our circumstances, we can change the circumstances sometimes. Sometimes we can't. But in the world of these circumstances, there's that one's going on up here, and then there's some that go beyond that, aren't there? Some of them are physical, biological issues that tie into how our, even our brains think. Is that not true? Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to even go down the path of telling you that I, I comprehend the details of that fully or completely. But I will tell you, and some of you, some of you are, again, going to answer for somebody else. Sometimes, you ever had issues where, it's like, this is huge. I feel like there's something supernatural at work in my issues. And some, again, some of you are like, not me personally, but there are issues, there's something going on there. Anybody feel that way? <laughs> There's something bigger that we don't see. Isn't that great? It's family love. There's issues sometimes. I, I don't want to tell you right now. I absolutely agree with that. There's, there's sometimes there's issues that you can be facing, and there's issues that I've seen people face, and I feel like, man, there's something bigger going on here than just the circumstance. There's something bigger going on here than just what's going on in their head. There's something bigger than just physiological what's going on. I genuinely think there may be something supernatural at work here in a terrible way. Part of the story that you're going to hear today, I hope will give you hope for whatever you're going through, even if it's supernatural. Because this guy, this guy has supernatural to the nth degree. Notice already in this verse, 
he had, notice it says, he, does it say he had a demon? It's plural. We're going to see how plural that actually is. He's from the city. He's got demons. Think about the way he's living out his life. I think that uh, if, if you go to almost any theology book, by the way, and you open the section on angels and demons, it's usually a really short section. Because the Bible isn't really about answering all the questions about those things. And I know in our world, we've steered away from that. You go back a few hundred years, most of our problems we could attribute easily to something demonic. Nowadays, we go, we, we, we always steer in a different direction. I'm going to give you an alternative to, to both of those in just a second. But this guy, he's got it rough. And notice that just the way it plays out reminds me so much of how so many people struggle. This demonic activity has led him to be out there with no clothes, no shelter, isolated from the world. Mark's gospel includes this story, and he includes that he was crying out, and he talks about injuring himself. Self-harm plays into this guy's life. When he sees Jesus, it goes on, verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Now, I'm telling you right now, there's a whole bunch of weird questions that pop in my head when I read this. I mean, number one, who's talking? The guy? The demons? Both? I don't know. I'm not for sure. I think a little bit of both. He saw Jesus. He cried out and he said these things. Interestingly enough and oddly enough, he actually answered something. Now remember, go back. They just sailed across the sea. What had just happened, pop quiz, what had just happened in the gospel according to Luke previous to this? Feel free to cheat and use your Bibles. That usually doesn't go together, but you can do that. But what had just happened? Jesus calmed the storm. What was the, what was the last thing that the disciples said after Jesus did that, there's a question that they asked. What was the last thing that they had just said after he was like, stops the storm, stops nature? Yeah. yeah. Oddly enough, this demon-possessed man is answering that question. They just went, who is this? And then very next story is they step out on a land, that this demonic filled person comes up and says what have you got to do with me what what in other words like leave me get out of here what what's your business with me leave me alone jesus son of the most high god does he not answer the question what have you to do with me and then i beg you don't torment me now if you just pause, think about that one for a second I'm reading that going, so is that something that could happen? Is that something that, I mean, and these demons are asking, they're begging Jesus, don't torment. Is that something Jesus has done? Is going to do? What in the world is that all about? Why are they concerned about this? It's a clear concern that they, these demons, these evil spirits have a concern that this Jesus could torment them. Let me ask you a question. Does that fit into your category of what G, who Jesus is? Like when you, when you, if you get a box out and you start writing down all the things that Jesus does, is this a word that you would write in that box? 
honestly. Most of you are like, no, I'd be putting like love, joy, good, kind, meek and lowly. These, they know who he is, and their concern is that he's going to torment them. That's one of their concerns, not yet. Why are they asking? Why are they saying this? We get to see right here. Oh, I'm sorry. Almost forgot. Before I get any further, and I think I have this out of order because I, did I have, what was the last one? Oh, no, I think I have a verse that's missing. That's okay. I can throw this in right here. Before I get any further, let's, let's, let's take a pause here. I'm going to go back to that, that problems issue. Many of us look at our problems, our issues, kind of like this. And you tell me if you would agree with this or disagree with this as we go. Sometimes we look at it like some of our issues, circumstances are going on. Whatever they are, they bring out these issues, and sometimes they're mental, psychological issues. Okay? We also look at it as a whole separate realm, spiritual issues. And sometimes we acknowledge that there can be some overlap there. Whatever's going on mentally, psychologically, whatsoever's going on there, these spiritual things. And a lot of times we, we, we try to split these things apart into two separate fears. Sometimes we're like, I get that there could be some overlap. Then we have this whole other overlap. That, and it, I notice I try to put a little bit more of an overlap on the psychological, the physiological, biological issues. Uh, one of my favorite examples of this is when there's something wrong with your thyroid. What, what's one of the side effects mentally that can be a result of your thyroid being off. Anybody know? Depression. I mean, that, that, that word itself, does that not in our mind fall into? And some of us, we would look at that issue and we'd say, that might fall into this little tiny right there, right? That issue might fall right there, maybe. Okay, I think this model is off. Let me, let me give you a different view of how I think it usually ends up. And I think anybody that's been counseling anybody would agree with this next picture. It's a little bit more like this. <laughs> There's a lot of overlap, and to be honest with you, I don't think you can fully separate or pull apart many of these issues. Whatever you're going through, it's most likely all of the above. I don't think it's odd that that would be the case. 1 Peter 5.8 describes Satan this way. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Have you ever watching those nature shows? That roaring lion? Who's that roaring lion going after in the herd? Is it the strongest, fastest one out there? No. Is it any coincidence that this demonic evil power might prey upon those that have other issues as well and use those for all it can get out of them. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Paul is speaking here. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle ultimately in an ultimate fashion regardless of everything else that's going on, regardless of all of our other issues, ultimately we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the, there, and there's that word, cosmic 
powers. That's one word in the Greek, and it's the first part of it is that word cosmic, the cosmos, everything. There's cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a reality that we are all in some way, maybe not to the degree that this man is battling spiritual realities. I don't think it's any coincidence that some of us still, some of that lingo still filters in. You ever had issues you're dealing with and you, you, you describe it as I'm dealing with my demons? I think a lot of us, if we're honest, the reality is our issues are all overlapping and Satan has taken full advantage of that exact thing in you. Now, I mentioned earlier that I think one of the issues, now, I'm not, a, okay, step aside, step back for just a, just a moment. Do we address the physiological, biological, do we address even sometimes even circumstances? Absolutely. But too many of us neglect dealing with this overarching spiritual battle that we are in. We just neglect it. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I believe that sometimes the things that we see as these weaknesses a lot of times we want to just eliminate those issues. I don't think that's always what God is going to do. Let me give you just a couple examples. I'll start off with one. Who's heard of the man Martin Luther? Right? Started the, the Reformation, really got the ball rolling on that, right? Martin Luther, many people don't realize, but Martin Luther struggled with what we would describe as serious mental issues. He was the guy that when he would go to confession in the Catholic Church, he would go and he would confess and he'd spend hours and the priest would be like, wrap it up. <laughs> but he, he wanted, he, he was like, well, what if I forget something? And then there were stories of times where he would get done confessing after like an hour of confessing to this priest, every little thing he could think of and he'd walk out and he'd go, and he'd remember something and he'd go back. It's, kind of, it's the exact same thing you do when you go, you leave, you leave your house and you're like, wait, did I turn the oven off? I don't know. I have to go back. I got to check. That, he was dealing with that in a, in a spiritual way. Satan grabbed a hold of this tendency he had to worry, to, fear, to have fear, to have anxiety, to constantly like obsessively check again and again and again, did I do everything? And one of the things that God brought out of that weakness was a deeper understanding of God's grace. Martin Luther didn't need cured from that. God's grace used that to open, frankly, I think all of our eyes to another, another level. It changed the world through his weakness. Let me give you another one. Ever heard of uh, Pilgrim's Progress? The guy that wrote that is John Bunyan. Very similar story. He has an autobiography that he wrote. Now, if you want to read a book that goes, I, I didn't know this when I picked it up. I think I got it from my mom. My mom said, she's got all these books, and I got this book called Grace Abounding. Is John Bunyan's autobiography. Where he wrote about it. He wrote the story of himself. I didn't know anything about him. I started reading it. About halfway through, I went, this dude's crazy. I mean, I'm like, he, he, like years of his life where he, he's living for God, and then he was just completely, then he was living for God again, then he was a drunk on the street, and then he was living for God again, just back and forth and back and forth, and then he's in prison, then he's not in prison, then he's in prison for being a Christian, and then he's out. Like, what is going on with this guy? And yet, so many of us have been touched by that book, 
pilgrim's progress. And as he, through all of his trauma of life that was going on in here and in here, began to understand the deeper things of God. I don't think that it's always the number one goal, whatever your issues are. Now, y'all have them. Let me give you a, a passage of scripture to support this because I'm going to throw myself into the mix. I have jokingly said, but not jokingly at all, our mantra. What's our mantra here at Edgewood? What's the first line? We're, we're, I'm a, yeah, I'm a complete idiot. Right? I'm a complete idiot. That's the first line. The rest of it's better, by the way, if you don't know it. For myself, when, when I was younger, I thought God might want me to do what I'm doing right here. But I thought to myself, there's no way. There's no way. And so I opted to go a different route in life because I was like, there's no way. I mean, I, I've met people who are like pretty awesome, you know, great speakers. Want, I mean, the personality is there. I mean, just... They're so good. You ever met those, those guys that are like, and they're just so good at like, they're just outgoing and like, they just make you feel comfortable and everything. Like, they're just so awesome at it. And I was like, there's no way, Lord, I can't do that. I don't even like most people. <laughs> they freak me out. I'd be by myself. And then my mind is, a, if, if, you, if you could see up in this brain of mine, it is a scattered mess. Charity is often, she stole it from a sitcom, but it's very true. She's often thought that if you were to look into my brain, you'd see two monkeys playing ping pong. I mean, it's just, what, what I'm, I'm, I'm scatterbrained. But here I am. Uh, and you know why? Because of this verse right here. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. You've met my family, you know that's true. <laughs> Sorry. Love you, Mommy. But God chose... It's important the way this is, this is said. It does not say God chose what is foolish and fixed them to shame the wise. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Why? So that no human, might, no human being might boast in the presence of God. I shared this with you to say, when we think about those overlapping issues, there's one that I can guarantee that Christ will free you from immediately. And it's the spiritual one. And you may look at those other things you're dealing with, and I want to tell you right now, those may be the things that you look at and you go, that are, those are precisely the things that I wish were gone the most. I'm going to tell you right now, those may be the very things that God may use to bring him the most glory. Because you will have none to bring to the table yourself. 
and none of us will boast. And some of you will spend your lives with that burden of struggle on your back, but since you're freed from the spiritual element, you just crawl, and you crawl your way through life, just making it day by day, and as you live for him, people will look at it and they'll go, that's not him, that's God. Christ had commanded in this man for this unclean spirit to come out of him. For many a time it had seized him. This, this spiritual, uh, let, can we use, let's use some modern terms so we don't sound so, instead of saying possession, oppression. There's this, this whatever it is. And I'm telling you, you don't know. It's there, it's real. Don't, don't try to ignore this reality. There are spiritual forces at work, and they are going to take every advantage of whatever mental weakness you have. And a whole legion, a legion of them have it. And I'm like, why? Why this guy? Charity and I were talking about this this morning. Why this guy? Why in the world? What, what, who is he? He's a nobody. That may be like you, by the way. I honestly, you know what I think? I, I'm going to give you my opinion as to why. I think the devil, I think demons, I think these unclean spirits, whatever, these spiritual forces that are work, I personally believe they just enjoy destroying people. I don't think it's always some big grand scheme, but these cosmic powers like to humiliate us and turn it do everything they can to turn us away from christ but christ comes in and some of you know exactly this reality so many things in your life has seized you again and again and again your life has been a wreck and christ has come in and maybe the first time you came to church and the second time you came to church and the third time and then when you picked up your bible one time or then you were driving down the road one time and you heard some preaching and it was like christ was saying out of him Notice they didn't come out. For many a time it had seized him, he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. Every human way of controlling this guy's problem failed. To the extreme where they're like, we're going to chain him up. Nothing else works. And those didn't even work. He'd break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus has now asked him to come out, get out of this guy. When they don't, they're begging not to be put into torment. Jesus then asked him, I love this, by the way. This, I don't know if there's any significance here, but he doesn't talk to the demons. He talks to the guy. I love that. What's your name? And this guy's identity has been wrapped up so much in the issues he's going with, these spiritual issues, that he answers according to those things, not according to his name. He says, I'm legion. Some of you do the same thing, don't you? You don't answer according to who you are, your name. You say, I'm this fool. I'm this problem. I'm this issue. I'm this struggle. And that's me. By the way, I think Jesus could be looking at you in the eyes today saying, what's your name though? Who are you? 
He responds, legion, for many demons had entered him. I'm telling you what, whatever your issues are, they don't compare to this guy's. He's got a legion. Yeah, you know how we're in a legion of Roman soldiers? Anybody know? I thought somebody might. No, I didn't. I didn't think anybody would. It's, more, it's actually, it's, it can be up to 6,000 can be a legion. So at least we could say thousands. Again, see, this creates questions. I'm like, well, how did that work? How, I mean, I'm thinking spatially. I'm a geometry teacher. I'm like, spatially, did they all get in at once? They all are like have a finger on them. They're all like all around them. They can't see them. Like, what? How's this? I haven't got a clue. It's b- totally bizarre to me. I mean, this is not my life experience. I have not met, but I, I don't think. But then now, after reading, I gotta be honest. There's sometimes I go after I read this, I go. I, I think there's some people that, I, that they are like this guy, and I can't help but wonder, maybe Satan has gone, we're not going to do it full-fledged like this, but let's, they, I don't think the attack has changed. You still pe- see people that are driven to isolation and away from others, and they're injuring themselves, and they're living a life that's just where they feel like they're seized again and again and again by these life-dominating issues. And maybe we encounter this more often than we realize. This guy is dealing with anything beyond what I think any of us have ever faced. If you were to ever stack somebody up and you were like, say, line up people that don't have any hope at all. I think this guy is a great representation of the one at the very, the farthest extreme of without hope. This is why I think there's a, some hope in here. For you, whatever you're dealing with, whatever issue that's seized you. It goes on to say, and they begged him not to command the depart to depart into the abyss. Again, quest, new question just popped up. What's the abyss? Where's this at? Is this something Jesus does? Does sometimes he send some to the abyss? Mark's gospel includes, I'm sorry, Matthew's gospel includes that they're asking in this connection, this time, to say to be tormented. We don't want to be tormented before our time. Like they know there's a time coming. In fact, I think that we're starting to get a glimpse here. We're, we're getting some apocalyptic, end-of-the-world kind of glimpses. It's like, it's like we're getting a little peek behind the curtain at what's to come. There's a time when Jesus is going to do this with every evil force of this world. Praise God, that's going to happen, right? Every evil force that's at work in this world, the ones that we can't see and we can't figure out, but we see their work, we see their handiwork, and we go, this is evil. Every evil force. Some day, Christ will send all of it and all of them to the abyss. We get a glimpse. They know it's coming. They know it's coming. One of the uh, commentators I read said this. They said, the demons know they are in a bad situation. Despite their numbers and power, they know who has authority. Ooh. You're seeing a face-off here of thousands of demonic forces that have just, for the fun of it, destroyed a man's life. And there's Christ. 
and they tremble. James says that. Man says he believes in God. Great. The demons believe and tremble. Don't, don't send us to the abyss yet. Boy, this is a wonderful after Christmas message, isn't it? The abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. New question. What? They can go in. Now, I've had my suspicions for years. I've had some cats that I was like, there's the devils in that thing. <laughs> so I'm not totally shocked. But what? Mark. Mark's gospel, when they says there's over 2,000 pigs, huge herd of pigs. Now, remember, they're in Gentile country. Some people like to read into this, be like, oh, the pigs and the Jews. And I don't know if there's anything to that at all. They're just so happy. There was a bunch of pigs there. And these demons, for some reason, go, well, that's better than the abyss. Don't read too much into that. I don't, some people go, oh, see, they have to be into, I don't, I haven't got a clue. These are cosmic realities that this passage is not interested in answering for me. It's not, it's not trying to answer those questions. But it is telling us something for sure. There's Jesus, and he, he, I mean, he doesn't have to. He can say abyss with all of you. He gives them permission, no clue why, to enter the pigs. Now, before I show you the next verse, what happens next serves as an amazing visual representation of exactly how bad this guy's problems were. And when I read this to you, some of you are going to go, I'm pretty sure if God were to cast my issues onto a pig, it would do the exact same thing. The demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and drowned. And I think that, all joking aside, some of you, if you, the, the issues that, the, the, the junk that's rattling around up here that Satan has latched onto and is using in your heart and your mind to destroy you, if some of you are like, you know what, I get that actually. Because if my issues were thrown onto some animal, they'd, most, they'd just jump off a cliff. I feel like doing it myself sometimes. Regardless of what else this serves, this serves as a visual representation of something, doesn't it? Jesus casts the issues, the problems, the spiritual cosmic realities that are working on this guy out of this man. And the whole crowd, everybody that's around, these disciples, they get to see. I mean, it's one thing if he said, cast them out, and he was acting better. But they get to see. I mean, can you just try, okay, try to picture this for a second. Can you just picture this? The disciples are watching. They're still going like, who is this? He just calmed a storm. What? I mean, he's an amazing teacher, and I love all the stuff he's saying, but what? And then they, this guy comes out of nowhere, and they get off land. And I'm sure some of them rolled their eyes like, oh, come on, a moment of peace here. He's ranting and raving, and Jesus starts talking to him, and, and they hear him say, you know, maybe they didn't catch the first part, and all of a sudden they just hear, you know, what's your name? And, and they're like legion, and like, okay, he's, <laughs> right? And he's naked. 
And then this, let us go into the pigs instead. And Jesus says, gives them permission. Can you imagine just standing there like, and then this guy maybe collapses down for a moment. Rest is this spiritual, just, just leaves him. And then I picture the disciples sitting there going, then all of a sudden they hear, and 2,000 pigs just go, Some of you would like to see your issues cast into 2,000 pigs and watch them just flee over a cliff, wouldn't you? I'm telling you, some of them you're stuck with. But the spiritual, supernatural, cosmic realities that are working on you, Christ can, like that, free you of those things. Okay, before we go another step, let's start to picture what, what are some of the issues that work in your head, just in your mind, just start to think about them. Fear, worry, anxiety, addiction, anger, lust. What are they working in your life, destroying you? Pride. They've latched onto the weaknesses of who you are, and they've latched on in such a way that it's, it's running in your life. Now, put a little pig face on all those things. Don't you just want to see them off a cliff? Now, some of you are thinking of people. No. No. Those are the circumstances. We're not driving people off the cliff. But how you've been responding may have been influenced in some way by something bigger than you. And today is the day that you're going, ooh. Now the herdsmen do exactly what I would do. They saw what happened and they fled until the city. I mean, you'd have to, what was that conversation like on the way back? I mean, you've got, you've got to explain to your boss that you just lost 2,000 pigs. And so they, of course, run back. Some of the people come out with them to see what happened. They came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had gone. I mean, they knew who he was. Found the man sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they look at that and they're afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. So some that were there saw it. They knew what happened. Then all the people of the surrounding city of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them. Such odd behavior in my mind, is it not? Am I the only one? Some of you, are, I think, are agreeing with me because I'm looking out. Some of you are going... I'm not going to propose that I grasp what was going on in their heads. But I do think that what's happening here is exactly where our application lies with this passage. What are you going to do? They were seized with great fear. So he, Jesus, 
got into the boat, and left. What a, what a sad part to this story. It's not over yet, by the way. But what a sad reality to this story. I don't understand what's going on, but I know that I've seen versions of this. When faced with Jesus and what he could do, I've seen people go, no thank you. And it was almost like Jesus said, I'm getting in the boat. You can have your way. Now, the man who had the demons, he did something different. This I get. Anybody in this room that has been freed gets this. You just want to be at his feet. You don't want to... In fact, there's a little bit of fear going on there because you're almost afraid, like, if I, if I step too far away, I'm, I'm afraid of what could happen. And I, I don't want to, and so you, I've seen this, people that have been freed in big ways, they're the ones that are every morning going, right? Why are they doing that? It's right here. They know what their freedom, they know what's out there, and they want to be as close to Jesus as they possibly can. Jesus Though many times he does call people on, come, follow me. He does something very different with this guy. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting this guy. There's so many things I want to know. But I, I look at what he does next and it, it rings a bell that feels personal to me. Jesus says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Just go back to, this is honestly, this is at the heart, this, you know what, Ed, we just did a budget. How much was our advertising budget? hundred bucks. <laughs> We're not interested in advertising. That seemed like a lot to me. This, this, this is at the heart of how churches expand and grow. It's just people that have been freed that just go. And Jesus said, go and tell what, and there's, there's so many little things in here. Go, go and to tell what God has done. Jesus says, go and tell what God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming, that word proclaiming, the Greek word that's translated proclaim right there is the exact same Greek word that's translated preach. And he went away preaching throughout the whole city. What you see when I get up here on Sunday morning, when Paul gets up here on Sunday morning, when anybody gets up here on Sunday morning, when the singers get up here and they sing, you're seeing a bunch of crazies that have been freed that just want to tell you what God's done. I love the little switch here. Go and tell you what God has done. He goes and tells them everything that Jesus has done. One and the same to him. This is your call. If you're sitting here today and the, the issues, the demons, I want to guarantee you that Christ can free you today. It may not look like you wish it would. You may spend your whole life continuing to be tempted with those very same things. But the freedom Christ gives is, a, is a, still a true freedom. God can free you 
today. Those demons can be cast into a herd of pigs and shoot off a cliff. If you're here today and you've been freed, don't let that hold your tongue. You are the best voice of God's goodness. And don't be afraid to include in this talk, this is what I was. This is where I'm at. This is who I was. This is where I'm at. I want to encourage you to be vocal about what God has done for you in your life. Personally, when you're talking with people, when you hear them talking about that, don't be afraid to say, I've been there. And then to tell them what it is. We're not putting on a show here of how good we are, are we? Anybody interested in doing that? Anybody interested in putting on a show like we got all together? All together church is somewhere else. That's not this one. There's an all together church somewhere. I've never found it. I found some that thought they were the all together church and then they weren't. No such thing. It doesn't exist. Eliminate that. We're crazy demon possessed church. Former. <laughs> Clarify. <laughs> Man. And just go and tell what God has done. He came to this earth. We live in a, as I've said the last couple of weeks, we live in a favorable time. We live in a time that Christ has now, even beyond this, Christ has now died on the cross. And one of the things he said, he said, it's good. He told his disciples, it's good that I'm going to go. Because the disciples, after, after he'd been resurrected, like, we're so glad you're back. And he goes, well, it's good that I got to go. That's not good because we want you here. And he said, no, it's good. Because if I go, I'm going to send somebody else. And this somebody else, the spirit, isn't here in one spot with arms and legs. The spirit is now everywhere. I'm going to pour it out on my people, Christ said. We live in a favorable time. The day of salvation. We have been freed. And the spirit of God can now indwell each and every one of us. I'm going to close with a word of prayer. I don't know if you had a song planned or not. Did you have a song planned? Oh, amazing grace. How wonderful. Right? Let's, so I'm going, to, I'm going to close the prayer. I'm going to say anything else. I'm going to close the prayer. Let you go ahead and do the song and you can dismiss us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your amazing, wonderfully awesome, freeing power that frees us from cosmic realities that are beyond my comprehension. I thank you that that work is not done, that there are still today those that walk in freedom because of the amazing freedom you've bought for us now with your precious shed blood. Help us today to fall into your arms of grace just to be captured by it. I pray that you would speak those words into hearts this morning of freedom. Lord, I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen.